welcome to Faith in Real Life, where we talk about truths of the Bible that are relevant to your life and faith. My name is Obi, and I'm the pastor to young adults and men at First Baptist O'Fallon. And uh, we just want to say, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate it on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. It really helps get the word out. And so I am joined today by my good buddy, Bryson. How are you today, Bryson? Good. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Awesome. So uh, we get together to do these podcasts, and then we end up spending an hour just uh, like chatting about things, uh, not always to do with the topic, sometimes the topic, uh, but it's good to just get together, talk about things, and uh, you know, we're about to talk about something pretty serious. Um, so we still, we, we try to keep things lighthearted, but we want to handle this with uh, reverence, but uh, we'll still try to keep things lighthearted too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, with this topic, we're talking about suicide today. And uh, we think it's pretty relevant probably for, um, you know, the time that we're in uh, with uh, COVID-19, uh, just kind of kind of coming out of this in the world. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about mental health and depression and things like that. So uh, we are talking about suicide and we want to kind of, well, we want to give a biblical view. We also want to give people hope, um, maybe help people think through this topic mm-hmm. and um, and and uh, maybe hopefully help some some people. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, so we're going to jump right into this and, and we're going to start by just talking about our experiences and how suicide has impacted us. And so I'm going to I'm going to kind of start off by just talking about, you know, I think like a lot of people when they're in high school, this is this is where they seem to um, have the most firsthand experience with. And so same for me, uh, knowing kids in high school who uh, committed suicide or attempted to commit suicide. But then I also became a youth pastor as a young adult. And so then I I was getting or I, I witnessed um, my students uh, go through a fellow student committing suicide. And so you kind of see um, that side of it, too, and just the impact. And so um, and even, you know, as a little older adult, I'm not I'm not an old adult. <laughs> Bryce and I have been talking about this today. Uh, he mocks me because I have a little gray in my beard. Maybe not mocks, but he, he's mentioned how uh, I'm telling you, man, just diet. <laughs> He mentioned how COVID impacted me a little uh, harder than it did him, and so uh, so anyway. Um, but as a as an adult, seeing how different people have um, have been either they've committed suicide or attempted, and um, really the negative impact of if you attempt and fail, right? That's that's mm-hmm. obviously horrendous on itself. But people who actually commit suicide, I think one thing people don't factor in is the impact. And so I've seen that as an adult, just the families and lives just destroyed by someone making this decision to, to commit suicide. And mm-hmm. so, so I wanted to kind of just start out there that I think most people have um, that kind of experience where they, they've known someone or been close to someone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but then, uh, Bryson, you're going to share maybe a little more personal yeah. uh, story about this. So I remember I was probably like 11 or 12 um, I think the first time I ever really at least understood or heard about suicide, there was a news story of a 13, 14 year old girl who had killed herself because of um, comments off of MySpace. Um, so kind of dating myself mm-hmm. a little bit by mentioning MySpace. But um, so I, I just remember that story, just, you know, those those random moments that just stick with you. But so to kind of nutshell my, my testimony, because I could pr- talk about this for hours. But um, so when I was about 12, 13 years old, I was um, introduced to pornography for the first time. And um, apparently I have a very addictive uh, personality because uh, just immediately 
um, as a as a young teenager, just was fully fully addicted. Um, and, and for me, that was a stepping stone into some other struggles I had, including isolation and, and depression. And um, I get kind of you know it's kind of interesting now. I look back at, at that as a child or you know as an adult, seeing myself as a young teenager and. Now I know, you know, why I felt that way. And, you know, a lot of it was the the sin of pornography I was in, but hmm. but it definitely caused uh, just struggles of depression and, and isolation uh, in my life, even in anxiety, um, a little bit. And so when I was about man, fifteen years old, um, that's really when for me, like the suicidal thoughts began to creep in. I, I just, you know, life felt really meaningless and just agonizing. And I think for me, there was always this turmoil that I was in because I, I was a Christian and I knew I was living apart from the Lord. I knew I was living in sin. I didn't want to give up my sin. I felt safe and comfortable in it. And just, you know, and then, you know, just you go through teenage stuff, right? Like teenagers just, it's like a roller coaster of emotions every single day, um, all that kind of stuff. And so I never personally like attempted um, suicide, but there were definitely a few moments in my life where um, it came pretty close mm. and, um, you know, and so, you know, I can, and I can share that like now, like without, like there was a time in my life where I couldn't just share that without just bawling my eyes out. Um, you know, I can share that now because I am, I've, I've grown past that and through that. Um, you know, I do see that sometimes for me when there's a struggle or a trial, I do kind of tend to lean a little bit like I, towards depression. Um, you know, COVID was definitely something that that kind of showed me that and reminded me of that. But, um, you know, there's I've, I've grown through that. I've sought the Lord through that. And I, and I can share that now, um, you know, with a lot of, you know, confidence and security, um, knowing that that's who I was, not who I am today. Mm. Um, but I've also seen, man, I've, you know, I've never personally had a friend um, or anyone in my life who has uh, committed suicide. Um, but I, you know, this last year with COVID, um, there was a lot of students um, who really, really struggled um, with suicide. And, and you're right, it does make an impact. There was a, um, a student at a local high school who I think February of 2020, um, so before everything, you know, had had committed suicide. And we were at our D-Now weekend. And I mean, just the the emotional, mental, just the weight of it just on on his friends. I mean, it was just it was overwhelming for yeah. them. And so it does, it, it impacts you and it impacts the people who in your life who care about you. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my own personal kind of story where I've where I've been at with with the subject of suicide. Yeah. And so we kind of begin there um, to to, I guess, speak to anyone who is listening that maybe feels like they're the only one who's going through this, uh, whether it be that you've had someone lost someone mm -hmm. and so you're feeling devastated about that or you're going through these types of thoughts to just let you know that you're not alone, yeah, um, that, that lots of people go through this um, and, and struggle with that. And we're going to talk about some reasons why in a minute. Um, but but that's where we kind of want to begin is to let you know that you're not alone. And so then the next thing we want to talk about is, I guess, kind of the the age old question about does suicide send a person to hell? And and we're moving here next, but we want to do so cautiously uh, because there's some danger in in however we answer. Right. So let's say we just gave the answer. Um, yes, it does. Then all of a sudden, anyone who's ever lost someone to 
um, to suicide would would say, oh my, I'm never going to see my loved one again. Mm-hmm. Or uh, And then maybe they have questions about God. Or maybe we say, no, it does not. Then now someone says, oh, well, I'm free to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, then And so then we give them license. And so one of the things we wanted to convey with that first question and first topic of, of experiences is just the value of life mm-hmm. and the impact that it has on people. Um, and so, you know, we asked this next question and discuss it. Does suicide send a person to hell? Not because we want to give someone free license, um, but because we want to talk about the biblical truth of suicide and mm-hmm. where all it fits in. Uh, make no mistake, though, uh, no matter what we answer, this is never God's intention for someone. He would have you know your value. So, uh, so Bryce, I'm going to begin with you. Uh, just your thoughts on does suicide send a person yeah. to hell? What was the um, what was the passage in Matthew we were talking about before um, before we started recording that you mentioned that people use a lot for uh, for saying like that this is okay like that's the, you know what I mean like well you you mentioned something sorry I'm kind of rambling I can't, I can't remember wasn't there a passage in Matthew that <laughs> the, people point to and say this is why like the unforgivable sin or something like that oh yeah okay so oh oh yes now I recall sorry. all right so yeah. Matt, no that's all right I love to be put on the spot he, he likes to test me I like to test him we keep it uh, exciting in here so so both in Matthew and also in first John there's talk of the unforgivable sin okay so we're gonna comment on that I just wanted to make sure so that's that's why that's where that comes that that idea comes mm-hmm. from right so um, well, that, so it comes from there and also tradition. Okay. Right? So, so it's been kind of seen as um, something that, and, and I imagine there'd be others that people would put in a category like that, but um, also with the idea of uh, losing salvation, which I'm going to address that in a okay. second as well. Um, but so any of those together would be like you end your life. That's the last thing you could do. You, you didn't ask forgiveness for it uh, and couldn't ask forgiveness for it. So mm-hmm. all those things combined along with tradition lead people to think that that's the unforgivable sin. Okay. So really, if you look in Matthew and First John, I believe the unforgivable sin is someone who rejects Christ. So Matthew specifically says blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I don't believe that's just saying saying something in blasphemy. I think it's rejection of the Holy Spirit, which how do we get the Holy Spirit? It's through Jesus. Okay. So I think those have been misappropriated, those yeah. verses to be used for this. Yeah. So. No, it's, I just, I asked because I, I think, because I'm about to share some scripture and mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to, there, there is a place where people do get that thought from, but I, I just want to remind it. So anyone who's maybe grown up thinking that or been told that, you know, so just remind you that, you know, Romans 8, 38 through 39 reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. If you are in Christ, nothing can take you from that. That includes, um, you know, suicide. But I do think it is a good question because it reminds us that a believer can take their own life, right? It's not like an impossible thing that someone who is saved, who is in Christ, can make the decision to to end their life, and um, you know it reminds me of the the verse in John ten, uh, John ten ten specifically, uh, where it says that Satan has come to still steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, "I have come to give you life and give you life more abundantly." So there's this parallel here, but it, you know this idea is is that that's not just an idea; it's what the Bible teaches and tells us is that Satan's goal is not to benefit or to bless us. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. First Peter um, 5 reminds us and tells us that the enemy who's Satan, he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone who he can devour. Um, and so there is this attack against people, right? So the enemy is working and, and striving to um, 
to attack people where they're mm-hmm. weak and you know maybe that's suicide and and then as a as a Christian, I think it's important to remind ourselves of Galatians six, which tells us to bear each other's burdens. Specifically, um, that's that's Christian to Christian. Not that we can't help other people who aren't Christians, but that's specifically what it's talking about. And and Paul even writes and he says, "Do this, un, like lest you should fall into the same temptation, the same entrapment." And so I say all that to say that there are people who do believe that there's there's scripture and tradition that they they use as their justification or basis. But I would just remind of what like scripture also teaches that nothing can separate from you from the love of God. We do have an enemy who is after us, who is trying to attack us, who is um, looking to, um, to um, you know, get us where we're weak. Um, but it's a reminder too, that as Christians, we are to bear each other's burdens, to love one, each, love one another where we are at, um, no matter what we're struggling with, um, because ultimately we could even fall into that same temptation ourselves. Right. Yeah. So good word there. And and so I'm going to address this too. And um, when when we ask, does suicide send a person to hell? Uh, really, we're talking about the doctrine of salvation. Um, and and I, I do want to be cautious how I answer this because I'm going to answer. I'll just give you the short answer right now. Does suicide send a person to hell? Um I would either say no or it depends. Sorry, right? I probably should have said that as well. Yeah, no, my answer would be no. That's but. all right. So, um, so no or it depends. Uh, depends on whether or not a person is a Christian or not, right? right? So, so really, I guess we could change the wording. Does it send a Christian to hell? Right. And now some would say, well, a person couldn't be a Christian and do that. And I would just respectfully disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's it's foolhardy to think that Christians don't struggle with the same feelings that other people mm-hmm. struggle with, and to think that a Christian couldn't get so low that they do this, um, so in such a, a state that they do this, I think, I think we certainly could. Um, and there may be people who disagree, and okay, that's fine. I'm going to give you some scripture to think about. And so, if you're out there and you disagree, then uh, think about it. But I do again want to caveat with this: when we ask this question, I wrote an article on this once, and uh, I had a person respond. So, does suicide send a person to hell? And they said, "Let's not find out." I agree. Mm. Right. I agree. That's That's a good comment. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure that um, anyone out there, this is not a free license because if you care enough to care what the Bible says, Mm -hmm. then then know that the God of the universe would never choose this. But we do want to be doctrinally accurate. And so when we think about what sends a person to hell, we were talking about salvation. And so eternal security is something I teach uh, quite often, and, and I know not everybody believes in this doctrine, mm-hmm. um, but I do, and, and I'll give you a few reasons why. And so first, um, if you want to just understand about salvation, go to our fifth uh, podcast episode uh, where I explain the gospel. I go through Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, and Romans 10.9. Those are often known as the Roman road. Mm-hmm. So I explain those at length there. I'm not going to do it again here, uh, but basically I'll give you a, a short synopsis that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. Christ, um, who died for our sins. And if we put our faith and trust in him and uh, follow him as Lord of our life, we will be saved. So you have that. And Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine says that uh, we're all saved by grace through faith, not of works. This is God's gift, lest anyone should boast. And so I bring that verse up or those two verses up because salvation is not about what I do. Mm-hmm. Salvation is about what Christ did. And then I trust what he did. And so I could never be good enough 
to earn salvation. Therefore, I can't really be bad enough right. to lose my salvation. It's a good practical argument. It is. And, and so there's part of it. But then also something else happens when we're saved. And I'll talk about this even when we're not talking about suicide. If someone is struggling with their fear and doubt of salvation, first I'll make sure, have you actually given your life to Christ? And if they have, then Scripture says we're adopted. Mm -hmm. And so when it uses that word, I think of like Romans 8.15, or if you think of all the different passages that say uh, born again, like John chapter 3. What happens when we are saved is the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, and it says uh, we are sealed, and it also says we are adopted by the Spirit. Mm. So that spirit of adoption comes upon us, and we become the children of God. So not everybody is God's child. Right. Um, we're all his creative children, mm-hmm. I guess. He created us, but not actually his adopted family. And so if you take that analogy, as the as the Bible puts it forward, when my kids do something bad, they don't stop being my kids. Right. Now, maybe they need a little restoration of a relationship, but but they don't stop being my kids. Same thing for God. So just from an eternal security standpoint, I can't do something to lose my salvation because, and I'm going to quote this, 1 John 5, 12, it says, the one who has the Son has life. Mm-hmm. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It really all comes down to that. Yeah. So that's 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So anybody who would ask, um, does this or that send you to hell? I would say, do they have Jesus? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Does a person have Jesus or do they not have Jesus? Right. If they don't have Jesus, then there is no heaven. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But if they have Jesus, then I'm, I'm certainly not going to say it doesn't matter what you do. In right. fact, I'm going through the book of Romans with my young adults right now. And um, Romans chapter 6 asks this question, uh, hey, since we have grace, should I keep sinning? He mm-hmm. says, absolutely not. How shall you who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Right. So no, don't keep sinning. But also realize that we are going to mess up. And, right. and there, are sin, uh, there aren't sins that are greater than others. Mm-hmm. All of them are an offense to a holy God. Absolutely. So it, it comes down to do I have Jesus or do not, I not have Jesus? So so that kind of answers that question, and yeah. I'm sure others will still have um, debate or conversation about it, but does suicide send a person to hell? I just respond, do they have Jesus? Right. I, obviously, again, don't, don't do this, right? Uh, you're, you're creating God's image of infinite value, mm-hmm. but just from a doctrinal standpoint, a person needs Jesus, um, and that is the only way to eternity. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So then... I want to talk about this, so maybe less of a doctrinal point and more of a, okay, what causes this? What mm-hmm. are some things inside of us, outside of us, that um, that lead people to feelings of suicide? So we'll start with you, Bryson. Yeah. So I have like a whole list, if that's okay. That is okay. Um, so, I have a list too, and uh, okay. I, think, I think we'll probably uh, get some repetitiveness. So okay. uh, good thing you start first, so you get... <laughs> I'll Sounds just, good. I'll patch in the holes. So, I, yeah, so I have a list. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times people just assume that suicide is a, is a result of um, just I've done something bad. And so therefore, and, and sometimes that's true, but I think there's other things. So, um, you know, so one of the things is depression. Um, you know, for me, that was part of, you know, my story and my testimony. Um, and depression can be both medical and I think situational. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to assume it's one thing that's really interesting in this culture. I'm not trying to get super into this, but it's like if someone's like, I struggle with depression, it's just like this automatic assumption. Well, oh, it's medical. I'm going to be really honest. I, I've talked with several people. I, I've, I've, I've looked into this and maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places. 
but it seems like a lot of times depression there is a there is a situation or something that's happening or we could even say a sin that's leading to that it's not just always a, a medical Agreed. imbalance in us so um that that being said there are med- there are legit medical things that happen um but i just you know say all that to say let me add to that real quick yeah, before go you go on it. with your list so so even if we think of things being medical isn't it true that sometimes our actions cause medical issues right mm-hmm. so so something there, there are certainly some medical issues. So let's use the heart, for example. A person could have a medical issue with their heart that was totally not their fault. They were born with it. Right. But then also someone can develop a medical issue with their mm-hmm. heart that was their fault, right? They, right. they either, um, if they're like me, they love burritos and they just ate burritos uh, three times a day. and uh, The and frozen ones, right? I, I don't really care. Whatever no, kind you want to give me, I'll messing. eat. <laughs> I like those frozen. Are, there's nothing fresh. real in those frozen burritos, man. And yet they taste wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they eat terrible and they sit around and sure. uh, don't do anything and then have heart problems. So, sure. So it became medical. Absolutely. And yet it was caused. So so same yeah. concept with our mind, right? Absolutely. Certainly are there, there are some things that are unavoidable and mm-hmm. certainly there are some things that um, environment, internal, external things have called mm-hmm. caused. But, um, but yeah, so I think... Absolutely. And, and and so just I think a lot of these things we could also even include in that. But um, so you got depression, there's trauma. Um, you know, a lot of times when someone has experienced uh, like, um, you know, the PTSD level trauma, um, everything, you know, things like rape um, to people who have seen war, combat, those kinds of things. Um, you know, there are a lot of really shocking statistics of people who um, will take their own life after a traumatic event like that. Um, so, so on trauma too, um, you know, we think of something very specific with trauma. We think of something that's devastating to life or limb, right? Mm-hmm. But what if someone just goes through something and it's traumatic to them? Yeah, that's right? true. Right. So think of think of a junior higher. What is traumatic to them? May not, we may see it as an adult and be like, oh, that's that's really not that big a deal. But to them, right. it was. Yeah. So, so t- I think trauma could be even broadened. Yeah. In that no, sense. that's a good point, man. I work with a. Uh, we just actually came back from junior high camp and I'm not making, we said we weren't going to make light, but we can be a little bit light here. Hey, it it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world (laughs) if someone listening to this laughed, right? So we went to a camp where we took our junior high students and man, I swear junior high girls are some of the most dramatic things, people in the entire world. Everything was just like, though, I mean, like it was just so over the top. It was like, I mean, but there was one situation where I just remember and I won't, maybe I won't be super specific, but a girl was embarrassed about something that really there was no need to be embarrassed about. Um, and literally she was like, she was like scarred by it mm. the entire week. And I'm like, girl, it's okay. You're going to be fine. And see, that was traumatic but to her. her right. Yeah. Um, so I remember yeah, when I, I became, understand what you mean. I remember when I became a young adult, uh, pastor, as opposed to before I was a, a junior high and high school, uh, student pastor. Mm-hmm. And, it would have been a normal thing for at an event for my youth group to have to have my wife go into the girl's bathroom and yeah. like console a girl who's upset. And my wife made this comment to me at our very first young adult event. She goes, do you realize I haven't gone into the bathroom a single time to go <laughs> That's uh, awesome. rescue a girl from crying? Yeah. And uh, not to pick on girls, I no, had to, boys have their own issues. They do like uh, fighting. <laughs> Sometimes I uh, once had a kid spit on another kid, uh, both boys. And so, yeah, yeah different issues, but yeah. uh, but still issues all the same. Yeah. But so anyway, trauma, that's right. where you were on your so, list is no, that so, can be broad. So there, there is trauma that I think we would pretty much all agree with is, is very traumatic. And then there is definitely 
um, perspective trauma, um, something that we may not see as, as, as over the top or dramatic or mm-hmm. trauma or whatever, um, but to that person it is. And so then you also have, um, a lot of people don't think about this, physical and mental abuse. Um, a lot of times in physical abuse situations, the person feels trapped, feels hopeless, feels helpless, and you know it, they'd rather take their own life than, than live another day in the situation they're in. Um, and then the mental abuse too. I mean, if you are in a, in a relationship or an environment where you are constantly being told that you have no worth, you have no value, um, and you're treated, I mean, even the combination of the two potentially, um, it, it's not a huge stretch for that person, I think, in their mind to go, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, I have no value, and I feel like I'm suffering every single day. Um, and so, you know, you do have people in physical and, and mental abuse um, situations. So, um, go ahead. Yeah, so so with all of those, and, and I also... Uh, thought up a list too. And so a lot of ours, the same uh, depression, Mm -hmm. traumatic events. Um, I thought of, I kind of encapsulated a couple of years into bad environments, like it's home, school, work, whatever. It's just a bad environment for whatever reason. And so I would say I kind of boil all these down to people feel captive to the moment or Mm -hmm. the situation yeah, and have difficulty seeing beyond it. Um, We could even think of other decisions that people make sometimes where it just feels so urgent. And it's like, Hey, that that old expression that time heals all wounds. It does heal a lot of wounds. We yeah. become uh, we become numb to things that were traumatic. Yeah, uh, we we heal from them. Now, some things certainly change our life, um, but time can heal. Yeah. and so sometimes people just need to wait. Yeah, give it time. Absolutely, breathe a little bit. Maybe the situation's not as dire um, as thought, um, but also not feeling captive to a situation. So we can't always change our circumstances, but mm-hmm. we can we can certainly choose how we respond to our circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes I think uh, we as as humans need a little more resilience. I think um, I think resilience is not something that um, people people think of as much that yeah. we we maybe diagnose ourselves with something or self-diagnose ourselves with something or or point out a situation or an environment and we just say, this is life. Yeah. Nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And, or the only thing I can do about it is something negative. And yeah. that's just not true. Yeah. Um, oftentimes. Now there are situations you can't help. Right. But Absolutely. but God can see us through uh, difficult situations. Yeah. You know, one thing we talked about too before the podcast was even also just like fear. You know, um, I thought it was really interesting. There was a sto- a news story of a of a couple up near Chicago, Illinois, who um, back in March or April, something like that. So 2020, um, they got COVID. Right? They they tested positive for COVID, and they actually took their own lives mm. um, out of fear. They weren't sure what the virus. It was kind. Of, I mean, you got to remember, you know, that that time it was very new. Unknown. No, everything was unknown. Yeah. No one was really sure about anything. And, you know, to think about that, that level of fear, um, right, panic, there were some people who, um, right, through, you know, even isolation, um, took their own life and, um, you know, thinking that they were cut off from people, from society, right. um, leads to other things. And there's other things, too, that people don't often think about chronic pain, um, people who deal with, um, like, legitimate chronic pain on a daily basis, sickness, um, people who have cancer, diseases like Parkinson's, right? There, there comes a moment when you get the diagnosis where you go, well, I've, I already feel dead. You know, feel like you have a death sentence. Right? So why um, wait? Yeah. And then substance abuse. So you know, my I have an uncle who um, he used to be a dope dealer, and he leads a recovery ministry now that he's you know a Christian. But that's something that they deal with because you have these men and women who 
they're they're deep into drugs, they're deep into alcohol, and again, they they just feel what's the point? You know, they're they're living for a substance, they're living for a high, um, and there does come a moment where I think you begin to question, and maybe not even just a moment, you often question what, what is life worth living. Mm-hmm. So I say that because there's so many of these different things, but ultimately, back to your point, there's kind of this giving up, right? right. There, there's a, there's this there's this moment where I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to try to get out of this situation, you know, in, in a way like so a non-suicidal path, right? I'm not going to try to get out of this situation. I'm not going to try to find healing. I'm not going to try to find help. I'm not going to try to find support and community and all of these different things. And again, that's not like to say that you just snap your finger and everything just becomes great and, and fine. Um, but but a lot of times suicide is for, I mean, honestly, for lack of a better term, people, you know, that's why they say I'm at the end of my rope. They, they just feel like they have nothing left. Um, there's no more room. There's nothing more they can give. And so they just, right. they let go and they give up. Yeah. Whereas God would have you endure. Right. Um, and I think the the gospel is is a message of hope, right? Mm-hmm. It is the good news. It is. Um, that we aren't trapped and confined to the things of this world anymore. Um, and, and I think that's where we have to remember that our hope is not in this world. It's not in our right. situations and our circumstances and our feelings and all of these different things, right? Our hope has to be found in Jesus Christ. If we could truly grasp that, if we could have that perspective of eternality where we just think of um, the kingdom and think of God and and eternal things as opposed to we become, uh, all of us do this, we become captives of this world. Mm-hmm. So I said captive of the moment or the yeah. circumstance, but really it's of this world. Yeah. Whatever it is in this world, we all kind of do that. And so I kind of, you know, I said I had my list too, but I kind of boiled them all down to in the moment where someone is ready to take their life, they don't realize their worth. Yeah. Right. They don't realize that that God has placed uh, in them just unparalleled value. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are just um, infinitely valuable. And so I I wrote down Psalm 139 verses uh, 13 through 16. It says, for it was you talking about God who created my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me. When I was formless, all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. So what this says to me is not only... Am I not an accident? Mm-hmm. But the God of the universe planned for me, and so the God who can speak all things into existence, um, the God who sustains my life breath, my beating heart, that God planned my days, mm-hmm. and so God has a plan for our life, and it's to serve Him, bring glory to His name, and also this one talks about this passage talks about that God sees us, yeah, that. That I can't go anywhere, and in fact, if we went, uh, if we read the whole chapter, I won't do that. But verses one through ten specifically talk about no matter where we go, God sees us. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned isolation. Sometimes people feel just isolated, like no one sees me, or if they see me, they see only negative. And I would say to that person, not God. Yeah, God sees you, and He sees your worth. And in fact, He's the designer of you. Mm-hmm. And so whatever in you that you think is bad, um, you know, we all have sin. But God sees your worth. He right. sees your value so much so that he sent his son to die to save you. Absolutely. So uh, there's a comparison that Jesus makes in Matthew 10, verses 29 through 31. It says, Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. 
but even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid, therefore, you are worth more than many sparrows. So to think that God cares even about sparrows, Mm -hmm. like the creatures of his world, he cares about, and the Bible specifically said, you are worth more than many sparrows. Yeah. You could you could line them all up, and you're worth more. God can count the hairs of your head. So our value, and so the ultimate one is John three sixteen, which we gloss over because every every kid who's ever been in Awanas or a kids class or whatever mm-hmm. has memorized John three sixteen. But we shouldn't. There's a reason we have people memorize it. It's because it's so powerful. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Mm -hmm. So to think that the God of the universe loves us so much that he would send his son to die for us is something that we've heard so much we kind of shrug off. And yet we couldn't even consider. I have kids, and I I wouldn't consider that. I'd be like, no, if someone needs to die, I'll go do it, but not my kids, Mm -hmm. right? To think of the God of the universe who did that for us, man, it should reinforce our value before yeah. before the eyes of an awesome and powerful and holy God. Yeah. And that's what people need to think of. If they get to that moment and they feel unloved and alone, man, God sees you. Mm-hmm. He loves you. You are of, of you are of infinite worth, um, so much worth, and He has a plan for you. He knitted you together. Yeah. Um, can I add something to that? You can. So. It's, I thought I found I was just thinking about this when you were talking. So one thing we've talked about on a previous you weren't listening to me while I was talking. No, I was doing kidding. both. I was multitasking. <laughs> there you go. So one thing I think we've mentioned this on a podcast episode before is like, what is the, like the one spiritual gift that everybody has and hardly anyone uses? And that's the gift of encouragement. Mm. Right. Can you imagine? I mean, really, what would actually happen if if every believer actually practiced that spiritual gift of encouraging other people? And, and, you know, because I say that because if you if you if you ever talk to a teenager and you try to tell them like they're this moment of hopelessness and you tell them how much God loves them, you tell them about the worth. I mean, you can see it in their eyes. Right. You can see yeah. the longing for for that knowledge. I mean, even some like, you know, I, I tell guys and girls this, but there's something about like I've talked to some of the teenage guys in our youth group and I just I'll be like, man, I'm so proud of you. There's this gleaming in their eyes. There's this this desperation almost that they want people to to acknowledge that value and that yep. worth that they have and and if we in Christ we know the value we have and that they have right why not encourage each other with that um and so I'm not saying that like that's a solve all solution um we, we have to find it first in God we can't just you know look to other people um for for that but at the same time like we want everyone to tell us about our worth and value. Right. Um, and I think sometimes we need to encourage people and remind them, hey, you have value in Christ. Um, and just going out of our way to think of others more than ourselves. I mean, that is to be Christ-like. So yes, anyway, I just wanted to throw no, that out there. No, that's good. So I, I actually am a strong believer in that. And I think not only do people need to encourage, and, and when we say encourage, we don't mean give insincere flattery. Right. What we mean is you actually observe other people and observe the good things in them. It mm-hmm. is a good thing to observe and appreciate the good in others. And so one of the one of the symptoms, maybe not a symptom, one of the causes of I think this this mental health crisis is how much we think about ourselves mm-hmm. and how little we think about other people. Yeah. And if we're spending a whole lot of time just observing and appreciating the good in others, not in a comparative sense, right. like, oh, they're so good and I'm terrible. No, you're thinking about you still, stop it. Uh, think about them for a while and just appreciate. And if we see part of our life's work, mm-hmm. part of our purpose why God formed us and made us 
is to observe and appreciate and encourage the good in other people, then before we know it, we're, we're thinking of ourselves a little less and we have a little less time, yep. a little, little less mental capacity to think about how awful we are, yep, which is absolutely. sometimes where our minds stay, and, yep. which also isn't true. So uh, I want to talk then as kind of a final discussion on this. Um, someone who's like, okay, I hear you. All that makes biblical sense, but I struggle with this. Yeah. So will I struggle with this forever? So I just want to start out with a general thought on this. Um, will someone struggle with these feelings forever? So the first thing about struggles and you could expand this to anything. You could expand it to, to temptation and to sin, right? Um, we don't necessarily have our struggles removed when we surrender to Christ. Mm-hmm. But God can renew our mind through obedience and spiritual disciplines. So, so just because I become a Christian doesn't mean that whatever plagued me before it may still be there in right. the flesh. We're not just all of a sudden given a resurrected body. Life would be easier. I say this to people when I'm talking to, uh, about sexual morality. Um, if, they, if they've struggled with lust before marriage, getting married won't fix their struggle with lust, right? right. It'd be great if, oh, you got married now. The only one you'll ever find beautiful is your wife. No, you'll, you are still in the flesh. You'll still find other people attractive. So struggles aren't necessarily going to go away, mm-hmm. but God can renew our mind through through his spirit and then through obedience to his word mm-hmm. and through spiritual disciplines, there can be a reshaping of our mind. And so there there's a promise of freedom. Uh, think of you know the passage, who the son is set free is free indeed. Yeah. Sometimes we don't feel free. Right. And a lot of times I think it's because we haven't obeyed God's word. We yeah. haven't um, practiced spiritual disciplines. With yeah. the I- idea of discipline is it's not always fun, and yet we do the right thing even when it's not fun. Um, but there's the promise of freedom in Scripture because we don't have to be held captive to these struggles. Yeah, I kind of said yes and no to this question, mm-hmm. and so let me share why. So um, John sixteen thirty three. it's a wonderful verse. If you don't have it memorized, it's a great one to memorize. But Jesus just says, you know, I've told you all of this. So everything that, you know, he's recorded, it's written in scripture, everything um, that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Mm. And so Jesus says right there, Hey, like I, I've told you, my word is, is to give you peace right in this world. And now right. while you're here on earth, you are going to have trials and you are going to have sorrows. And so what that reminds me of is even if like, so for me, so for example, I'll use my, my personal story again. So I had a trial and a battle with depression, right? I am through that for the most part. There are definitely things though, like COVID, that was a trial. We could say that that was an unforeseen situation. It was a sorrow. Right. I definitely struggled with depression while we were in lockdown. That was something that I struggled with. Um, and so I can, I say yes, in a sense, because I know that my bend can go that way, right? When I enter into a trial, a situation, a storm, whatever you want to call it, I know that that's where I can go. What I have to do is what you mentioned, right? Which is to obey the Lord, walk faithfully according to his word and practice spiritual disciplines. If I just allowed myself to just spiral because something happened, that's probably where I would go again. That's probably the direction I would go. So I say yes and no. Because like you said, when we have Christ, we are set free. We are no longer bound to the chains and, and the slavery of sin. We are set free in Christ. A lot of us kind of um, hold on to the chains and we keep the door shut 
because we feel safer there. Mm. Um, Exodus 14 is a beautiful example of this. The Israelites are at an impasse. Pharaoh's army is behind them. The Red Sea is in front of them. And they're looking to Moses, the people of Israel, and saying, why did you bring us here? It would have been better for us to have been slaves in Egypt than to be out here and to mm. die. And so it's just a reminder that that's, that's where we are as humans. So I say yes, because if you don't do the things you need, if you if you don't obey the Lord, if you don't have spiritual disciplines, also, if you don't get help, you know, if, if you just try to pass through this life, this is a struggle you have and you don't get and accept. It's a big difference. A lot of people don't. You can go to a counselor and not care. People do it all the time. They go to a yep. counselor because they feel like they need to or they should or whatever, and they don't actually want help. You have to get help and want help as well. Yep. Um, and so I say that to say, just as a reminder, I feel like this is important to add in. Um, if you personally are struggling with suicide or know someone, there is a hotline you can call. It's 1-800-273-8255. You can also Google it um, and find it. But also too, you know, here at the church, we have pastors who, um, man, we are not professionals by any by any means in this, but we are here to um, to help and to pray and support and to give resources. And um, so if you know, if this is something that you struggle with or you know someone who's struggling, I, I encourage you, have them contact um, the church. Um, you can go to our website, fbcofallon.org. Um, you, you'll find email, phone number, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to add yeah, that. Yeah, and if it's, beyond, if it's beyond biblical counseling, like we can give uh, biblical encouragement, things like that, um, biblical guidance. If it goes beyond that and you need um, counseling in mm-hmm. a, a more therapy sense, then we also can refer you to Christian right. counselors, and and we w- we would yeah. recommend Christian counselors. Absolutely, uh, we think worldview matters, and uh, a Christian worldview is uh, what we believe in. So, um, so you said a lot of really good things there, and one theme that I hear, and I think we've heard throughout, is is really the idea of choice. So often we do just feel like whatever our circumstances or feelings, we're victim to those things. And you you mentioned uh, a few things like. Sometimes, even though we're set free of the chains of sin, sometimes we cling to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned th- that we could let things spiral. Mm-hmm. Those are choice words. Right. And sometimes I feel like it's so prevalent in our culture that once we attach a label to something, we say, well, I can't be anything but that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was Alan Taylor who I've always heard say this. Um, he says, uh, God didn't call you to be what you are. He called you to be more. Wow, and that's good. It is. So we feel like, we feel like, well, I've been labeled this. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety, whatever it may be. And we feel like that's where I'm going to have to stay the rest of my life. So this question of will I struggle with these feelings forever, potentially you'll struggle with them, but that doesn't mean you can't have victory, right? Absolutely. We are all in a struggle against the flesh. Mm-hmm. The, the flesh um, the flesh is going to tempt people. And so here's what we would say. Let's say there's a, a person who's married and they've dealt with um, sexual temptation they say, well, am I going to struggle with this forever? And say, well, yeah, you'll still have uh, temptations mm-hmm. forever, potentially. Sometimes better, sometimes worse. Hopefully God will gradually renew your mind. It'll be way less, but but there's always going to be the potential for struggle. So would we say, therefore, give up mm-hmm. because the fight is out there? That's why Paul says, fight the good fight, right? right? We're in a fight. And so sometimes we forget um, what you talked about earlier, you talked about the devil roaming around. So I'm just going to read First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be alert, 
So that's sober-minded, right? God, God wants our mind. He mm-hmm. want He wants our our head in this game. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. God wants us to know mm-hmm. that Satan is trying to devour you, right? If if someone listening has been contemplating suicide or struggling with that, or they know someone who is struggling with it, realize this: there is a real God, and there is a real devil, and there is a real spiritual warfare out there. And why would we think that Satan's not involved in the mental health battle? Mm-hmm. It is a mental health struggle, and Satan is going around, and he wants to devour you. He wants to devour your loved ones. If he could do it with uh, name something, if it's greed, if it's pornography, if it's gluttony, if it's whatever, he wants to devour you. Absolutely, he wants to devour us in the mental health uh, realm, and he's, you know, he's had all sorts of tools at his disposal lately because mm-hmm. people have been isolated and quarantined, and um, and so Satan is looking to devour us. So the Bible doesn't leave us defenseless, right? In Ephesians chapter six, uh, everybody probably knows this, or lots of people know this, but it's talking about the whole armor of God. So chapter six, verse ten says, "Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength." Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. You hear that? The schemes of the devil. That Satan is out there trying to manipulate us, making us think we're we're of no worth, making us think that whatever next step into sin, it's no big deal. It has no ramifications. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers for the, of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to just note what the armor of God is. And the first one is truth. And it, it talks about it like a belt around our waist. Truth holds everything together. So sometimes we know the truth, but we don't receive the truth in our heart, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we have the head knowledge of truth, but not the heart acceptance of truth. And God would have us to know his word, get into his word, and accept, accept the truth, including the truth about us. That, let's say I hand you a piece of paper, and I'm like, this is just uh, some notes I took down. It's worthless. You could throw it away, right? But if I said, hey, this is um, the routing number to a bank account that I'm giving to you, and it has a million dollars in there, I want you to have it. You wouldn't throw that paper away, right? They're both a piece of paper. And so the truth that God would have you know is that you are not worthless. Mm -hmm. We may feel worthless. We may feel like the piece of paper that could be thrown away, but we're not. Mm -hmm. He says we are of infinite worth. So one of the first things we have to do is accept the truth. And then he calls... Um, he calls righteousness like an armor, a breastplate. And so if you think about what, you know, going with the armor analogy, what the breastplate does, it protects your core vital Mm -hmm. organs. Righteousness protects our heart. And and if you feel deflated, if you feel discouraged, if you feel isolated, you, Bryson, talked about um, that feeling sometimes that you thought maybe it was tied to some of your sin. I 100% believe that if I am walking in sin, I will feel discouraged. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's. I think they go hand in hand. Now, I'm not saying every every discouragement is is your sin, but I am saying if there is sin, I think you will feel discouraged. So we have to clean those things. Readiness for the gospel of peace is another one where it says we need to be ready to tell other people about Jesus. He said he calls faith a shield of faith. So I like the idea of faith like a shield because it's like you have your armor on. But there's always going to be little holes. Mm-hmm. There's going to always be little footholds that the the devil calls it his fiery darts. Right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to 
put in little little ideas of influence and the shield of faith moves with us yeah right we can say okay there was a little gap there but i'm going to trust god i didn't quite understand it what he was doing what's going on in my life but i'm going to trust god and then he says the helmet of salvation and so this doesn't mean a person who's just saved the helmet of salvation means um, it, it's called in a different place the helmet of the hope of salvation. It means I have an eternal perspective mm-hmm. that I am looking to God's things as above this world's things. Um, that I have that that perspective, and then the Word of God because of your sword, the Word of God um, that is our only offensive weapon in this whole armor of God to mm-hmm. be in God's Word. And then verse eighteen talks about praying. That's how you put it on. Mm-hmm. So, so we are in this battle where Satan wants to devour us, and God has given us this armor that says you have to put these things on truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, God's word, and prayer. And if God is saying there is a literal war going on and you are in it, then you are either a casualty or a combatant, Mm -hmm. right? You're one or the other. Satan is going for you, so you're either fighting him or you're just letting him devour you. And so if someone is listening and they are struggling with thoughts of depression, suicide, realize Satan is trying to devour you and God has a a remedy. God Mm -hmm. has a way to help you out. Again, I'm not saying there's no no chemical uh, or medical instances. I'm saying do our part. We want to do whatever we can do to resist the devil um, because this last one I wanted to read, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That joy is a moral imperative, and that doesn't mean I'm happy about bad situations. It means that in all situations I can see God, Mm -hmm. that I can look to God, I can have hope in God, I can have joy in God, even if... Even if sometimes life is brutal, yeah. Sometimes life is brutal, yeah. Uh, but but heaven is for real, and yeah. it's it's my hope, my my uh, destiny, my foundation. Um, so so that's kind of what I would just say to people is yeah. put on that whole armor of God and hope in God. Absolutely. All right. Anything else you want to say, Bryson? Uh, just a reminder, you know, again, if you're struggling with suicide or know someone, um, get help. There there's resources available. Um, and then again, you know, if this podcast encourages you. Uh, or you know someone who might be encouraged by it, um, send it to them, subscribe. Um, you know, it helps and uh, it also is just a, a good resource. You know, that's what we want to be is a good resource for you um, to teach you just what the Bible says, how to actually have faith in real life. Amen. Good word. And yeah, leave a leave a review if you would, rate it, um, help, helps get the word out. So thanks for listening to Faith in Real Life and don't forget to subscribe and share with someone who needs a little faith in their life. And if you're in the O'Fallon, Illinois area, we'd love for you to stop by and visit one of our church services and a small group, which we call Life Groups, and those are in person or online. You can find out all the details about things happening in our church through social media and at fbcofallon.org. That's fbcofallon.org, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 